0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. So I got an oldie but goodie for you. I've played this clip before. I want you to imagine your home group, your small groups, you need a new leader, and you're gonna do some interviewing. And you get a chance to interview some great Bible people, right? And see, huh, maybe one of these guys can be our small group leader. Let's, let's walk. All right, next up, um, King David. Thanks for coming, King David. What qualifies you to be our next small group leader? What was that word you used uh, before my name? Uh, king? Yeah, king, right. How many of those am I up against? My strengths. Uh, plagues. I'm pretty good with the staff. Can't decide who gets the last brownie? Cut it in two. Boom. Wisdom. Um, parting large bodies of water. Desert survival skills. Weaknesses. (laughs) Weaknesses. (laughs) Mountain climbing. Um, commandment retrieval. Does that look weak to you? And I can make a pretty mean goat sausage. Okay, I mean, maybe haircuts. Women. Whose isn't? <laughs> so I lied. I said my wife was my sister. They were gonna kill me. <laughs> Why are we even getting into this? I'm just not sure we're comfortable with you in a leadership position. Look, it, it, Jesus Christ himself called you Satan. He was trying to make a point. Get the behind me, Satan. I believe is the exact quote. Uh, Bathsheba. I knew you were gonna go there. It was a rock to the back of the head. I really regret that it happened. And that's when you slept with the maid? My wife said she was fine with it. Abraham. What? Come on. Okay, timeline. Um, First I slept with his wife. No, 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 no. I didn't kill Christians. Then I lied to him. I was just watching people's coats. Then I had him killed, okay? They killed Christians. It's a long time ago. Besides, that was a different guy. That was Saul. I've ever killed anyone. Why? You got somebody giving you beef? Huh? You do something taken care? Of? Where's the app? Yo, bring it, huh? Didn't you deny Christ three times? No. Nah, I'm pretty sure you did. No. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Uh, no. Okay, I did. No, I've never killed anyone. Why would you even ask that question? This is the guy. Hold on, I, I mean, I do have some questions about my qualifications. I've never been to seminary. Oh, you'll do fine. I really don't have a whole lot of experience. Do you love God? Yeah. Do you want to help people? Sure. Do you have a harem? No, I don't have a harem. All right, we're good then. Thank you. Let me, let me think about this first. <laughs> oh, 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 get her. oh, wait a second. Look who has them. Still got the tablets. Kind of dated tablets there. I love that. Do you have a harem? You know, that's my favorite question. <laughs> answer yes to that one. No. So the, the, the point is, not in a small group, like we always talk, it's like how many people in the Bible would be interviewed for one of our staff positions here at the church and actually get hired, right? Maybe Daniel, Joseph of the Old Testament, right? And other than that, we'd be like, I don't know, you murdered people. You and the point is, and you saw, the guy we're going to talk about tonight is, is uh, uh, Abraham. And in, in, our, we, in our faith series, I know we have some visitors from other churches, or maybe you don't have a church. Um, we're in the middle of the series where we're looking at the Faith Hall of Fame. The Hebrews writer uh, is writing this church, and he's using these examples from the past. And, and, and when we go to a Hall of Fame, like you might go to a football Hall of Fame, and go, man, Joe Montana, that dude was awesome, right? Never thinking you could be like Joe Montana, because you can't, right? But, but the, the, when we look at the Faith Hall of Fame, we see these flawed people, right? And we say, wow. So instead of saying, I could never do that, we're inspired by them, right? That we too can walk by faith. Let's pray together before we go to um, the word. Lord, I I thank you that you are with us tonight, and what a celebration. I pray that um, you'd calm me down, because on baptism days, I tend to get so excited, Lord, because that's what we're here for, to see You save and flourish. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to do that to us tonight. We look to your word, your truth. You have us here for a purpose. Help us, God. Help us with what you want tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, we've been launching from Hebrews 11 through this series, but we're actually going to start in Genesis chapter 12, the very first verse. So we put it on the screen, but if you brought your Bibles, you can go to Genesis 12. If you don't own a Bible, we have we usually have them in the pews, but we have a stack of them back there. Uh, it's not stealing. Please take one on your way out. Um, we want you to have uh, a copy of the Bible if you don't have one. Um, and so we're, we're in this, this faith series, and we're looking at these people by faith, by faith. But um, Genesis 12 is when things change quite a bit. Right, the, the story of Genesis right, is God created, and we saw that a few weeks ago, and, and, and he created everything good. And then Adam and Eve in the, the garden, they sin, and then now because of sin comes the judgment of God, and that's death. And we see that over and over again. Sin permeating the world, and death the result of it. We saw Cain and Abel, and we, we saw the flooded uh, the story of Noah right, last week because of sin. But Genesis is also the beginning of the story of God's revelation, of his promise that he's going to redeem us from sin, and that eventually would be his own son, the Lord Jesus. And, and so he gets kind of general first 11 chapters, right? It's kind of big picture stuff, and then he gets to chapter 12, and he starts to focus on one family, the family of Abraham. We're going to see him as Abram, right? God changed his name. You know you're somebody if God changes your name, right? You're a Simon, and now you're Peter the Rock, right? So, uh, you know, if, if, if God changes your name, usually that means something, and, and it does. But we're going to see him as, as Abram. And in cha- the end of chapter 11, we see this genealogy, and we actually see Abram's father, Terah. And Terah was, um, uh, th- when they were in this city called Ur, um, God called Abram to go to Canaan, which would eventually be the promised land, right? And he he called him, and somehow his father found out about that. And his father's a leader of the family, including Sarai, Abraham's uh, wife. And so they they begin to travel, and it says, Terah says, we're going to go to Canaan, right? God says, go to Canaan. We're going to go to Canaan. And they get to this place called Haran, and they stop, and they settle. And Terah dies there. Why did he not keep going? We're not told. Probably one of two things, right? same reasons we all stop when we shouldn't it's very safe where we're at right it's safe here it's comfortable and the future going from here is scary and so let's stop let's settle and he died and so the the question then is what's going to happen now so now abram gets a chance to be the leader of the family and he's a young 75 right and this is post flood so that's still old back then okay um, good shape he was, but he was an, uh, an old man. And, and so after that happens, Genesis 12:1 it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. Now I want you to look at this. God's promise, what's the main word you're going to see as I read it, right? I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What do you think the theme is of his promise? Bless, right? It's pretty clear. So he just makes these lists of promises that I'm going to make you, 75-year-old man and his wife Sarai, right? That, uh, we're going to make you this huge nation. Go to Canaan, right? We're going to bless you. We're going to bless all those who, who bless you. And, and, in fact, we're going to, like, you're going to now, God says you're now going to be blessed uh, and through you all the nations, all the people on the earth. And you got Abram, you got to be going, everyone, like, what? How's that even going to happen? And we know now that it's because from his family someday would come God's son, Jesus Christ. And he's going to save, right? He's going to die for not just the Jews, Abraham's family, but Gentiles, all the nations in the earth. But Abraham doesn't know that, right? So he gets this, this, this call to, to, uh, to, to I'm going to bless you, go to Canaan. But it, it's just this one command, right? Go. Just get up from Haran like your dad didn't and you Go, right? And 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 don't look back. And it's this beautiful promise, but what will it mean in his life if he goes? Because you saw in the command, leave your father's house. Leave your people, your kindred, right? Your home. Leaving that is any of insurance policies, right? Because that's your family. That's your people. That's your home. I want you to leave it all and go to this foreign place called Canaan where I'm going to bless you. Go. And so to go, God, God, just one simple command, but it means leave the safety and go where it's scary. You know, I uh, brought my basketball here. I need to pump it up, though. So I, I've told you before, um, I had this great basketball career, right? Um, stopped in high school. But I played uh, high school basketball. And I uh, when I was a younger player, uh, the older players were uh, very, very good on, on varsity. and They were a great team that, that year. And so I was just blessed to even sit on the bench, right, on, on varsity. I had a varsity warm-up. I, I sat on the bench, and, and, and the crowds are packed, all these people, right. It was great because here I am. I get the best seat in the house, part of the team, but I'm safe on the bench, right. I don't have really to go out in the game. And, and, and so uh, and we had a – our coach was crazy. Like he was a legend too. His, our gym is literally named after him. Okay, so uh, he coached for years, but he grew up in New York City, and literally he yelled the whole game, right, all the time. And by the time I was a senior, it didn't bother me. But as a younger player, I was terrified. I didn't even want him to look at me, let alone speak to me. So I remember one night we're playing our, our one of our rivals, St. Joe from Pittsfield, not even a school anymore, which is sad. Uh, they were always a good basketball program. One of our rivals, we're at home. Jim's going crazy. Close game, right? You get to the end where one of our guys, right, I'm on the bench cheering him out. Like, this is great. He scores, right, and we go up two points with about three seconds left, right? So they call timeout because it's going to take a miracle. They don't have to throw the ball in and then just get a last-second shot at the hoop, right? And, and so we're like, everyone's going crazy. They call timeout. They're coming to the bench. We're like, woo, you know, the fans are going woo, right? And then in the midst of that, this crazy coach, he looks at me. And I went, something must be happening behind me, right? Because why would he be looking at me? Three seconds left, right? I, you're lucky if I even put my uniform on under this warm-up, right? And and he points at me, and you could tell at first he forgot my name. He's like, Walton, you're in. And I'm like, Everett. the whole team was like, what? Why would he be in, right? He goes, you got those tall, long, spindly arms. I want you covering the inbound pass, right? And I'm like... Drat, these arms. I've always hated them. Right? And so I take off my warm up and I, I go over to the scorekeeper. Even the scorebook guy was like, are you kidding me with this kid? Right? And so I go in the game and, I'm, and like, I, it's my job is just so literally, right? Just, and I'm just like, I've never I wrenched my back, right? Just waving my arms trying to keep them from being able to throw the ball in. And that three seconds he threw it in. Guy didn't make the shot. We won. And I was like, Yes! The newspaper reporter is going to want to talk to me, <laughs> right? Like like this guy over here got 21 tonight, this guy got 13 rebounds, and Jamie Walton guarded the inbound. I don't know why they didn't want to talk to me and they didn't mention me the next day in the paper, but boy did I feel part of the team finally, right? And and the, the idea with that, right, why I took that long detour, is my feelings were, it's fun and it's safe on the bench. And the coach looked at me and said, get in the game. And the thing is, that's what happened to Abram. That's what happens to every single Christian. It's God looks at you and says, get in the game. And you know what's beautiful? It is that, you know, because even to this day, years later, I believe that coach was really dumb for putting me in the game. I could have been the goat and not the greatest of all time goat. I'm talking the goat that ruins the game and everyone hates him, right? And I could have been that. Right. So I don't think he really made a good move. It worked out for him. God is perfect and he's always right, even if you're not quite sure. Canaan, you're not sure what he's calling you to do. And so he he I mean he knew you before the foundations of the world. He knitted you in your mother's womb. He knows every hair in your head. He has given you gifts, abilities, your personality. He did that, right? All for this time, this place, like Esther, right? For such a time as this. And that's what he did for every one of us. And So he calls us to get in the game. And it's scary because it means leaving the bench, right? And so there's a lot of Christians who think, I'm just going to sit back here. I'll let the pastors, evangelists, professionals, singers, let them do it. But that's not it, is it? That God, by faith, says go. And so Abram, what is he going to do? Well, verse 4 tells us. So Abram went. Sometimes, man, that's just the best. No Herculean, like, big thing he did, right? He didn't build an ark like we saw Noah do. He just went, okay. That's it. Right? And he he would screw up later on. Like, he, he was just like you and I. But he went. As the Lord had told him, and his nephew Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai his wife. Well, that's nice of him. I'm glad he took his wife, right? But here's the thing: in this, right, in this act of obedience, you also see this idea. If you were with us, the first message of this, uh, I had brought out the the. Sawhorse, but we call them hurdles okay right and and it's and it's um remember i said like they used to have this race where like it was very simple and it made sense to me like two people run whoever runs fastest wins some sadistic maniac decided you know what'll be fun let's throw some hurdles in front of them and see what happens right and so so that becomes the race so this race of faith there's hurdles that are scary just like the church that the Hebrews writer is writing to. For Abram, you see it hinted in the narrative right here, a couple of things. First, he's 75. Anyone here 75 or older? Raise your hand. Oh, man, that's crazy. I could have swore you were 45, Lorraine. Right? 75. Like, she's the only one, unless a couple of you are too embarrassed to admit it, right? But, but and, and some of you are like, I'm old, and you are not even this. And, and, and by the way, Sariah's wife that's why it's mentioned here he brought her that itself was an act of faith that I'm not dissing his wife but the point is right she is also in her 70s and she's barren God said I'm going to make a nation from you me I'm 75 my wife 70s can't have kids how's that going to work obstacle right obstacle and could have been an excuse and they could have said you know what Let's just stop. It's working good here. God probably, maybe I, that wasn't a call from God. Maybe that was just some bad potato salad or something like that, right? And it, and it wasn't God. Instead of saying, God said, and his promise is he's going to bless and he's going to do, but he doesn't always tell us how it's going to happen, right? So he, he continues to go, and it's, and it's scary, right? It's, it's always scary to leave the bench and go into the game. I could screw it up. I could mess it up. That's the same for when God calls us, right? That, that it's, it's, it can be scary, and we can find lots of excuses as to why we can't do what God's calling us to do. And, and, and age can be one of them. I'm too young, right? Or I'm, like Abram could have said, I'm too old. My time's passed. Like, let the younger people do it. You ever notice that older people, they're either the people you cherish being with or they're the people you run from. There's no in between. You know why? I've always said it. You either get better or you get bitter when you're older because that's what life will do. So you either want to be. So the question is, what do you want? Do you want to be the one who says, I know, I'm 75, I'm 85, I'm not. Until we have a great service here and have a celebration of life and you're in heaven with Jesus, you are called of God not to sit on the bench, but to get in the game. But we, we find these excuses. I don't know the Bible enough. I'm a new believer. I don't Like I'm not good at that. Or I might mess up. Or I have screwed up. And all these excuses. And God just says, go. Go. Right? And so Abram does go. Right? And it says, uh, his, his, Lot, his brother's son, so his nephew Lot, and all their possessions they had gathered. And the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So we see another obstacle. It's subtle again, right? But Abram gets to this place. It's him, his nephew, his wife, you know, a few servants, right, some some stuff, right? And they, they get to Canaan, and there's already cities here, right? There's all kinds of people called Canaanites living here, and God said, I'm going to give you this nation. I'm going to make a nation. It's like, really? How is that going to happen? That's got to be confusing. Right? Have you ever been called of God, and you go, and you're like, this is it? Admit it. If you've ever done something for God, maybe a ministry, like right? you're like, I know. I, when I was called to be an associate pastor here, for, for the first year of that, I was like, this is a dream come true. I can do ministry all the time. It's amazing, right? Years two and three we're a train wreck. Our church was in a disaster situation. most of the time I didn't even want to be here, let alone the people right And, and some of you are here, you know I mean I'm just being honest right And that, during that time I was like, really God? This is what you called me to? I was thinking, let's do some big things. Let's do it. And we're just in the middle of this, right? So, so Abram gets there and he looks around. He's like, there's already cities here, right? I'm here in Canaan where you told me to go. Like, wh- There had to have been a little bit of, did I really hear from God? And so verse 7 says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Don't you love that? So so he gets there. God says, hey, I'm going to give you this land, but it's probably going to happen down the line. It's going to be your offspring. Even that, he's like, what offspring? I don't have that yet. But he says, I'm going to give this to your offspring. So Abram, with the obstacles and the fears, and he left the bench, and he's in Canaan. What does he do in his confusion and wondering what God's going to do? He worships. That's a little tip for you, that when you get to a place in your life where you're you're confused at what God's doing, you're not exactly sure what's going to happen, and you're like, I don't know about this, God, I don't know, then just stop and worship. Because you know what? Even worship takes faith. To believe God, to worship God, even though I don't really know what's going on. I don't even know what's happening here. He worships God. And so it says in verse 8, from uh, there he moved to the hill country in the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord again, right? And he called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. So that's kind of where that part of Abram's life ends. The one we're going to look at is part of what Hebrews, we're going to see how Hebrews puts it. But I want you to notice that here he is, all these promises of God, and he's living in a tent. Anybody here living in a tent? Don't raise your hand if you are. Then we're going to talk after, and this is fine, you know. No, some of us like tents, right? But that, you know, they were, they were a little bit better than we probably were used to. But they lived in a tent, that meant what? They were nomadic. That meant they were transient, right? And, and so he's going to live his whole day. In fact, his sons, uh, Isaac and Jacob, are going to live this way too, right? And, and the thing is, God's still going to bless. They're going to have all kinds of wealth. All kinds of great stuff happens to them along with struggles, right? So they are still blessed by God, but they have to wait, right, for the city, and, and the nation, and that's going to happen long after they're gone to their offspring, their descendants. But in that is an interesting concept for every Christian to see, to live as if you're in a tent. Because how many of us build our own little kingdoms that we will defend to the death when God calls us to go? No way. You see, God will bless you. God will give you to enjoy family and kids and stuff. And Amen, so did Abram. But you're in a tent. Because you, if you're a Christian, you live for the greater city that's made by God, as we'll see. You see, uh, I'm going to flip us forward, if you're following along, to Hebrews now. This will just take a minute or two. This is our Hebrews writer. And he's writing to this church, remember, and these people are weary they're weary of being persecuted for being Christians, and, and they're not gathering anymore, and the obstacles have become too much, and they're, they're receding, they're tired, they want to sit on the bench, they don't want to get in the game, and, God, right, and the, God uses the Hebrews writer to says, get up, get in the game, right? And so he uses these, these men, include right here the story we just told. He says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. To a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out and knowing uh, and not knowing where he was going right that's the thing God will call you to do something and you're like I'm not really sure where this is going to go He calls you to help with youth ministry and you're like I, I don't know I-, I don't I don't know what to do I don't know where God's going to bring this and you just go or, or he calls you to join the worship team. Or he calls you to go serve the homeless. Or he calls you to just start uh, actively praying for the lost. He, he calls you to share Christ with someone. you like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm going to share Christ with this person. Like, whatever it is he's calling you to do, it's scary, and you don't really know where you're going. That's Hebrews' point. It's okay, because God is with you every single step. And he's already where you're going. He's not like, hold up, Abram, i got to catch up. No, no, no. God's already there. And so the Hebrews writer says, By faith he went to live in that land of promise, as in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Right? Living in tents. And here where he says, verse 10, For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And so, by faith, Abraham looked forward to when his descendants would have the city, but beyond that, to a heavenly city. Like, that's why I'm in a tent. Because I want to go where God is, and he has a city awaiting, this most glorious city, that is eternal city. And that's where I want to be. That's what Hebrews is trying to bridge that gap for this church and for us, right? That that when you're in Christ, you you have a, a greater place that you're living for, right? You enjoy the blessings as they come, but you live in a tent because God has something greater. And so the, the, the whole point of this is that faith is action. Go. It's action. It's, a, it's, not a, it's not a state of mind. Right? It's an action. God calls you to go. You go by faith. You trust, but there's obstacles, and I'm not sure where this is going, and it's going to be hard, and it's safer here, and I don't want to leave the bench, and I don't want to get in the game. The God says, go, Abram. He says, go, Jamie. He says, go, fill in your name. That's what he does. It's an action, right, that, that that we we can look at our lives and say, well, you know what, I can just stay here where it's safe and watch Netflix all the time or, or get on, you know, Twitter face or, you know, the TikToks or the the Insta, you know, Twitter or whatever and spend all my time there and hang out there. It's safe here. Is it though? No. It's fine to pass a little time that way, but, but God calls us to something greater. He calls us to get in the game and it might hurt and it might be scary. Maybe he's calling you to pray. Maybe he's calling you to make a Bible reading plan. I don't know what he's calling you to do, a ministry, but it's an action and we go. We go. And you know what? That, that whole concept of why we go, the Hebrews writer became somewhat uh, fixated on this idea that there's a greater city. Let me just give you one, and this is the last scripture we'll have. So, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. All right, stop there for a second because that is the gospel. Right, that's why we have people getting baptized. The blood of Christ it was shed for them, for me, for you. Right? So he said, because of that, right? If that didn't happen, none of it could happen. Because of that, what is that? That's where the faith journey begins. You don't say, God's calling me to do something until you put your faith in Christ who died for you. His blood shed. Right, so for, for someone here tonight, maybe that's you, maybe it's just tonight, it's just like i got to relinquish myself, right, and put my faith in Christ alone, like we sang today. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And so when that happens now, like those people I said earlier, or like you, right, we can we could go to where God's calling us to go, right? And it's an action. But he says, because of that, therefore, remember there's always a reason to therefore is therefore. Right? Because of Christ, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he adored. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. We're willing to get off the bench and leave it behind. And it's scary And it's tiring, and it's worth it because Jesus is there, and it's his city. And it's so much more satisfying to your soul than the trinket cities of this world that come and go, rust and rot. Keep living for those things. And that's why you're unsettled, unhappy, and depressed because it can't satisfy you. But his city is what we look to, and that's why we go, because it's worth it. This isn't. He's worth it. And so what I want us to do tonight, before we go, is just ask the question, what is next for me, Lord? What is next for me? And that's going to be different from you to you to you to me. Remember this faith circle from last week if you were with us? We're all in different kind of places, but... Um, What's next for me? And I want you to dream big. I want you to think, but I want this to happen, this happen, pray about that. I, I love that, right? But, it, man, it start like, Abram had to get up and go, right? He could think about all the nations, all this, everything. But it, it, at, at some point, he just said, like, all right, let's pack a suitcase or whatever they packed, right? And let's go. And so what is that for you? What's God calling for you to do? What's he calling you to do? That's the question you'll ask tonight. And hopefully, because we won't have a lot of time to do it this week in your prayer time. Just say, God, what do you want for me to do? And then listen. And it gets scary from there. Because he'll tell you. Right? Just do it. Don't make excuses. I'm too old. I'm I'm too young. Those eight people, like, that was scary. That wasn't even that scary. The videos would terrify everybody. Everyone's same thing. Jamie, I want to get baptized, but do I have to make a video? Yes, it's in the Bible. No, it's not. It's not. But I'm like, man, if you're willing to step up and do that, you're going to be willing to step up for Christ, right? Right. We'll help you. We got a teleprompter. It's good, right? But all eight of the people, right? They said, like, and and to some, it doesn't seem like a big deal. Big deal. I'd love to be baptized again, but to them, right? That was the. What's what's next? I'm going to get baptized. Maybe that's you. Right or 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 maybe he's calling you to some ministry or he's calling, right and and so if if that's it then just do it. Now it's important to get some confirmation for trustworthy people in your life, right? I mean, I'm I love music but I'm a I can't play an instrument and I'm not the best singer so if I'm like I want to be on the worship team, y'all need to say no, right? But I remember I was talking to, to um uh Tom Gelman, uh, he he and Brittany and their kids are uh have become members of the church and just the other night and Mike, Bundy and I were talking to them and I was laughing because they had been in the church like four years, right? And Tom's just a nice quiet guy, right? And we had this family conference. I don't know if you remember that when monadnock came and, and their awesome worship leader Evan from Monadnock, right? He came and he's setting up and Evan's great. Evan's gonna lead worship. And I'm talking to him and Evan goes, Hey, is Tom a gentleman in in uh uh in your church? I'm like, Yeah, so and he goes, yeah, he and I used to lead worship together. And I was like, you, I'll be back. Because Tom and Brittany were in the fellowship hall, eating food, waiting for the conference to start, and I went right there, and I squatted down with all the kids sprinting around, and I'm like, <clears throat> excuse me, Tom, I do mean to interrupt, actually. Uh, and I said, so Evan tells right? And we had, and he was like, yeah, and he's just so humble, right? So he was like, God's been kind of putting it on my heart, but I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm the worship leader, you know, and I was like, well, let me confirm for you. Get up there, right? And then he's been up there, you know, ever since you've seen you've seen Tom be involved in our worship team. So yeah, God called him. He had it confirmed, right? And he did it, right? And 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 so whatever that might be to you, I don't know, right? What's next? And so I want to spend a couple of minutes. I'm going to invite our our uh, actually guys up, three guys tonight, um, to to. To kind of play a little music. And I'm going to give us a couple of minutes um, to ask that question. And if you've been with us since Lamentations, you know we've been doing this more. And it's uncomfortable if you're not ready for it. But uh, And you're like, what's he going to make me do? No, I'm just going to make you sit still without your phone. <gasps> right? It's, it's going to be okay. Right? All those Twitter face things you'll get uh, later on. All right? I was um, th- actually this morning. You know, it's kind of weird. This morning, I was um, I, I was a little down, and, and you ever uh, this happens a lot of times to um, those in ministry. Bob will tell you, right? Just out of the blue, will just feel this weight, and and it's just basically this like I'm not gonna be good enough, right? I'm not. That's just the enemy, right? And and I wasn't like it wasn't any particular reason. I just was, a little, and it's baptism day, and I'm like, eh, right? And and, and I was going about the morning, and I got a text from someone, and, and his family comes here. And he said, hey, funny story. Uh, our family was, was kind of going through our routine of praying this morning. And our three-year-old, um, as I was starting to pray, just screamed, Pastor Jamie. And he stopped. He's like, what? Just what's the matter? Pastor Jamie. And he goes, you want to pray for Pastor Jamie? And he goes, and he, his words, not mine, said he gave me the stink eye of a three-year-old. Yeah. And he's like, well, we're not at the point where we pray for church people yet. And he just looked at him. He's like, we're praying for Pastor Jamie in his three-year-old voice. He's like, all right. But as he shared that with me, I said, God called a three-year-old to pray for me. Isn't that amazing? It's like a miracle. How could I be down after that? Is that There's no doubt. Look, if a three-year-old says "Give me chocolate," we know that's a three-year-old, right? But the guy was like, "I want to pray for someone." Like that's not typical, but he said that because God called him, and he's three, so he just does it. Well, we have to learn to do that too. God calls you, do it. He calls you to pray for someone, share with someone, help someone, serve someone. Just don't say, "Well, do they really?" Just do it. Get off the bench and get in the game. I'm going to pray. And um, uh, for all of you, I'm just gonna ask you if you um, aren't watching a kid or anything, just shut your eyes, and we're it's gonna take a couple of minutes while um, they play, and I'm gonna pray, and then just sit there and just say, God, what's next for me? Father, I I thank you for the example of Abram. I thank you that he messed up because we do too, but he went. And I thank you that so many in this room have gone where you've called them. So we're just asking you, what do you have next for me, for each person? Lord, maybe it's salvation. That before tonight, there's someone or people in this room that thought that they had it figured out on their own. God, I pray you would them so they can't even sleep until they put their faith in Christ. But tonight they just say, Jesus, save me. You die for me. and They begin their faith journey. Lord, maybe it's baptism or ministry or relationship or prayer life. Lord, I don't know. There's so many next steps. What are you calling each person to do? I pray you'd reveal it clearly and give us the courage to do it. Father, I thank you for teaching us what's next. I pray you'd give us the courage as we leave here tonight to go and do it without excuses. Give us the courage, God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. We're going to sing um, the song called More to Come. And When you're singing this and praising the Lord, think about how we live for some better place that's to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's stand and sing.